Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode eight of the Next Level Podcast, the podcast that helps athletes get to the next level of play. Let's see, episode eight, I got to give a shout out to my buddy Frankie Hart and, uh, and Ryan Dunner, the big cat. Um, you know, shout out to you guys, miss you guys. Uh, hopefully get to chat with you soon. Uh, this week's guest, I have, I'm going back-to-back football players. So last episode, I had my buddy Cole Birchall. Uh, Cole played with this guy uh, on my screen right here. This week, we have Alfonso Whitehurst. Fons, he uh, played college football for Utica, played there for his uh, college career, did a little coaching there afterwards. Um, currently, he is a phys ed teacher at Van Dyne Elementary in, um, in Syracuse, New York, also coaches one of the assistant coaches for the Corcoran football team works with the linemen there and uh currently right now he's at a summer camp so we'll get into that but uh Fonz thanks for coming on man yeah for sure appreciate you having me excited to talk uh some sports the world as it is now not talking about much of anything (laughs) standing in your house and looking at your walls (laughs) (laughs) yeah right um so yeah what uh so where, where are you at right now you're at your um summer camp up in the Adirondacks right Yep, so currently I'm working at uh, YMCA Camp Gorham. It's a summer camp that I've worked at the last six summers uh, since I was a sophomore in college. I needed some experience working with kids of doing different recreation games and like running games and programs. So what better way to do it than working at a summer camp and being in charge of someone else's kids? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's a... You know, I'm sure it's a great experience for you and, you know, for the kids, I'm sure you make it, you know, a blast for them to be there. Um, yeah, for sure. How, uh, how does that one work? So it's um, it's an overnight camp, right? Yep. So it's an overnight camp. So normally, so the camp ranges from boys and girls from age 7 to 16. Uh, from the ages 7 to 13 is regular regular camp. And once you hit the age 13, you can sign up for – uh, teen program. So we have a program that's called Tag uh, Travel Adventure Guide. So you do a lot of overnights in the woods, a canoeing trip. You do like a, a lot of things that like you bond together with other teenagers to to get you ready for like more real life situations. If you ever get stuck in the woods and you, you just want to be adventurous and just to uh, connect with your friends outside the real world. Here at our camp, there's a uh, no service at all so it's our our motto is unplug and connect so you really get to to work with people and it's like your chance to escape real life and and help yourself and find yourself and just become one with nature rather than the the pollution and all the screen time of internet and the real world so it's really enjoyable yeah that's awesome because you see and i'm sure as you see uh you know in schools kids are always talking you know, they're on their phones, whether, you know, however old they are, they're always playing games on their iPads and everything. They're all about, all about Fortnite, all about, you know, video yeah. games and everything. So <laughs> that has to be a pretty, uh, pretty fun experience. Um, just putting all the technology away and, you know, relying and, you know, communicating with others in a, like you said, a real world situation. Yeah. So let's see, we're, uh, we'll, we'll start, we'll start with football. We got, we got a lot to talk about, so we'll try to figure all right, out. All right. <laughs> so what, um, where, let's see, when, uh, when did you start playing around what age? Uh, so it's funny how football actually started for me. I went to sign up to play pop Warner football, right? And you're thinking, Oh, I'm this big kid. Yeah. Let's go play football. And I get the signups and they said, you're too big. This football? is when I was, I was 10 years old. They said, 
yeah, you're too big to play football. And I was like, yeesh, how can you be too big? So then that, that took me into baseball. I played baseball for a while. And then I actually, my first year of playing organized football was seventh grade. Played seventh grade at Danforth Middle School in Syracuse. And from there, stayed playing football. It was a love. I played O-line and D-line. And then uh, then after eighth grade, all I did was play D-line. Okay. So um, seventh grade, I played – so is, was that similar to how, you know, we had it in Beville? Did they have, you know, like seventh grade team, eighth grade team, ninth grade team? They had all those specific teams? Yep. So seventh grade team, there's eighth grade team, ninth grade, and then JV and varsity. Okay. So uh, what year did you come over to Beville? So uh, I actually moved to Beville uh, when I was sophomore, starting sophomore year. It's funny, I actually started football at Corcoran. The day before our first scrimmage, they said, oh, you're moving to Baldwinsville. And I was like, oh, what about football, though? That, yeah. was, my, that was my first concern, seeing that <laughs> school, school started on Wednesday, but I was more concerned about football. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the transfer transfer to, to Baldwinsville went really well. Uh, I fit in right away. I think the very first practice I was able to start right away because the practice transferred over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, all right, I don't know any of these kids, so I'm just going to try to hit someone really hard and set the tone here to play games. Set the tone high. <laughs> Ripped off a guard and uh, lit up the running back. I, th- I believe it was Matt Paddock. Yeah. Uh, from there, and if anyone from Beville knows Matt Paddock, he brings a lot of energy so they were definitely shocked so <laughs> yeah <laughs> man yeah it's, you know letting them know you're there letting, like yeah. like you said setting the tone high and everyone's like oh damn <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, that's cool and then so anyway he played three years varsity then so right he played um sophomore junior senior year overall how was your uh, high school experience at Beville? Uh, my school experience at Beaver was, was amazing. I'd say, so the beginning half of sophomore year, I played JV and then towards the end for, for playoffs and like the last game got moved up to varsity to play. And, uh, so was, was able to be a part of the section championship my sophomore year and, uh, the regional game was able to get a couple snaps thing I got three snaps that was probably a highlight because uh my sophomore year there were some really good offensive defensive linemen there at Beville so to be able to get three snaps in in a regional game as a sophomore I was like oh I'm fired up now yeah yeah you you gotta cherish that yeah we we went on to the to the state final four we lost we lost to Russian Rietta but they overall ended up winning uh, the state championship that year, so can't be too upset about that. And the rest of the time at Bonville, the uh, junior year went really well. We uh, we made it to the second round of playoffs. Then senior year, we made it to uh, made it all the way to the finals and fell just short. But the f- the football family at Bonville will always be one one near home. We all loved each other, fought for each other, and it was like. It's really unique. Football football is a game where, like, you get people from all over, 
all shapes and sizes, different speeds, mm -hmm. and just love to talk junk to each other, and it, <laughs> it brings you close. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely not a game where you're just going to – you take it easy on each other and can still love someone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you still see uh, – see the boys at school the next day you're happy to see them you know you walk in the halls with them and then you're you know tearing each other tearing each other's heads off at uh you know 3 p.m during practice yeah 3 p.m you're ready to light them up <laughs> by, by 4 30 you're sick of them five o'clock you're playing in the locker room again <laughs> can't get much better than that no man really doesn't um so i talked with virtual about um kind of like how off seasons and even um, you know, summers before football, because football is unique in comparison to other sports because, you know, there's travel baseball, travel across, travel hockey. And for football, there just seems to be, you know, the school season. Um, so in preparation for that, what did, you know, your off seasons look like? And, um, you know, what was your uh, summer preparation like? Uh, so for me, I, I, I loved it at, at Baldensville, like the summer workouts and in, in the off season. So when I, when I was in, when I went to Corcoran, I, uh, played off of mostly just natural talent and then coming to Beeville, they really instill in you like hard work and dedication. Well, all those things happen in the off season. And that's what coach Sam Filippo really instilled in us of, Every, everyone everyone works hard, but it, it's about what you put in in the offseason is what's going to help you win that that fourth and one in the middle of a sectional game at the at in the middle of November when it's freezing. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was in Beville it was really big on us, like working out as a team with people uh, that's in your position groups. And we did a lot of work with Coach Bick at uh in the weight room after school three time three days a week and we also did like different uh position skill days the other two days and uh remember two years we did uh outside training with Vinny Scola who runs VB performance now it's Scola Scola Fitness that's in uh Bondville. but yeah it's definitely it's definitely a grind that brings you brings you together as a team of all of us working together mm -hmm. for just one main goal and in the off season is where those things happen. Anyone, anyone can show up to work, but it's like, what, what extra time did you put in? Yeah. I appreciate you saying that. And I like the comparison you made to, you know, that fourth and one like that, you know, that isn't, those plays aren't made, you know, and, you know, obviously you have the adrenaline and everything going, but you know, deep down it's the hard work that you put in months and months in advance that's going to get you you know that success yeah so yeah man that's cool uh we had a good conversation about um virtual about high school football just how like you know fridays like all all the boys are fired up i mean i was saying like i would i'd have his practice jersey in my locker you know friday morning get to school throw it on and you see a bunch of beville jerseys walking the halls man like just you know those Friday game days had just had to be a blast for everyone, huh? Oh yeah, for sure. I I, I can honestly say that like there is no better feeling than a than a Friday night or just a Friday for a high school high school football player in general. You wake up, you get to wear your jersey to school. Mm -hmm. You're already feeling on top of the world. You're like teacher tells you to do something I got a game today, ma'am. Like <laughs> I gotta get focused. Are, are you gonna be there today? 
I'm not I'm not worried about this social studies test. Are you gonna come support us here? <laughs> and so in in Beville, I can probably say that like it probably it shows the the most support out of any town I've been to for football and like in almost college too. Besides Utica, like Utica and Beville, I would have to say that every game the stands are packed. No matter who it is, I can remember back to uh, my senior year. It was Beville versus Liverpool. It was Liverpool's homecoming, and it was a rival game, and the place was just packed. Standing room only all around the stadium. Both both sides filled up and packed. And we just walked in there, took the food off their plate, went back to the mill. <laughs> well, go to the diner, eat a little bit, and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. And that and that's the stuff you remember. Like that's the, you know, because as a 16, 17 year old kid, you know, it's kind of your first experience playing in front of such a huge crowd. Like, you know, you have those the people who have played Pop Warner growing up, but and no, nothing compares to, you know, you have a couple thousand people in the stands, and it's just it just had to be just so cool experiencing that. Oh yeah, I I, I never never used to realize that younger when people say. Oh yeah, this guy plays off the crowd until you actually play in front of a big crowd. And I mean, I feel like the same thing for you with hockey. I mean, you start to see more people in the stands. You you feel more pressure from the outside rather than like the guys on the ice. And it's just like hearing the 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 support from the stands and people going crazy. It just it's something different about it that just fires you up as an athlete and a competitor. Yeah, yeah, and then you know heading heading to school on Monday, you know, the next week. And you got – it's cool when you have the staff, like, supporting you. You have teachers saying, like, oh, man, that was a great game. You know, I enjoy watching you guys play. And, and that, just, that just means so much that you have the support from, you know, administration too. Oh, yeah. That, that, that is also another big thing. You'll always see uh, the administration at every every football game in Beville. You see, you see the cafeteria workers, officer and all. You see the whole school there. People that besides besides the people who have kids that play football someplace else, they're there supporting you, and and I feel like for sports just in general, support goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely, it definitely means uh means a lot. So let's go uh, let's go after high school. So around so your senior year around when um did you know you're going to Utica? Did you have any you know other offers to play anywhere or? How um how did that recruitment process work? Uh, so for me, for my recruitment process, I applied to uh, Ithaca College, St. John Fisher, uh, Allegheny College in in Pennsylvania, in Utica, and and I, all each of them I applied for a program called HEOP that that helps you uh, get into school and it helps allow you to pay for college. And for the program I got into, I got accepted into Utica's HEOP program before I got into Ithaca's. And so I got Utica's acceptance letter on a Thursday and with the program being so competitive of them interviewing and accepting 50 people and out of 300, I was like, oh, wow. And from that 50, only 20, they select 20 of the first 20 people to make their deposit. So for me, it was like, oh, here's this opportunity to go to school 
super cheap or wait and hope for the next one. Mm-hmm. So I put in my deposit on Friday for Utica, got the letter on Monday for Ithaca, and I was like, you know, it was meant for me to go to, to go to Utica. So I went to Utica, and I'd probably say it was probably the best decision of my life. Yeah, man, that, that's cool. You just got to take advantage and jump at the opportunity because, because yeah, you never know. You say, oh, I'm going to wait it out, and then – waited out something unfortunate happens and then now you're kind of like all right now what yeah, so. yeah for for one thing i've learned through coaching and uh teaching is yeah you have to one create your own opportunity and you have to take advantage of that opportunity that you have right if you don't take advantage of it and you you wait for the next opportunity thinking you're gonna get it you're not guaranteed you're not guaranteed to have that next opportunity so you got to take what you have when you have it and and run with it a, a lot of people wait 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 and wait and miss their opportunities because they're waiting for the next great thing you have to make that opportunity you have the great thing mm-hmm. yeah that, that's well said um you know a lot of people can uh you know learn from that experience and then you know learn uh on, or sorry take your advice on a situation like that uh, so let's uh, let's talk football, Utica. Like first, we'll talk before we get into freshman to senior year. You know, overall, just how was the experience? Uh, the experience at Utica was it was amazing. My freshman year, uh, I broke my leg. Oh wow! It's funny. We were so we have to do this three hundred yard shuttle, and as a bigger guy on defensive line. Running ain't really the cup of tea that I'm trying to kill. <laughs> so if you don't get the shuttle, so four linemen, we have to get, we have to run 300 yards within 62 seconds. So it's from the bit, so it's from the goal line to the 25 six times. Down back is one. Mm-hmm. So let's just say Big Fox didn't reach that in 62 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> So I had a little bit of extra conditioning to do. So I'm doing extra conditioning, and on the very last day, the last day of extra conditioning, the last sprint, we're doing 80-yard intervals. The very last one, Coach is like, all right, 80 yards, and you guys are done. So but here's a key. Throughout the rest of the sprints, Coach blows his whistle. When he blows his whistle, you got to drop to the ground and give him 10 push-ups. Okay. So, I'm sprinting. We're sprinting, and I hit the 60-yard mark, and I'm like, I'm feeling like he's saying at this point, there's no way he's going to blow the whistle this yeah. last yards. Free and clear. The 75-yard line, he <laughs> blows the whistle, and Big Fonz was like, all right, we're going to baseball slider to the 80 yards, and I don't got to do it. Yeah. And on the way down – the cleat got stuck in the turf and oh, that went the ankle. <laughs> ah, yeah. Oh man, that had As to be. They say Big Fonz was not safe at home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, I can't even imagine that. That hurt so bad. Yeah. So, what was um like? What happened? What was the uh, di- diagnosis? Uh, so what happened was uh, it's it's actually a funny story. We're after uh, I went to slide, my cleat got stuck and my ankle just snapped back. And uh, 
obviously I was five yards short and I do the realistic part as a bigger guy when you're tired like I was on the ground and the first thing I asked for was some water I say coach I think I broke my leg can I have some water <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're like I don't want to hear that excuse we don't have excuses over here get water ever and everyone else that were like within 10 yards of me was like no coach we heard a snap we heard a snap and no one ever not rec- acknowledged my water. Like, I, I was being serious. I wanted that water. It, yeah, it was a out there in August. <laughs> August the conditioning. Get a hydrate. Yeah, the, the trainers rush over. The, the other coaches rush over. They see my ankle swollen. They're like, can you feel this pain? I was like, honestly, I just want some water. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I heard a crack. And it didn't sound right, but I'm pretty sure I broke my leg. So they they get the got the gator over, get me on the cart. We get up in the lot into the trainer's room, and that's when it hit me that I really broke my leg. I wasn't thirsty anymore. The <laughs> was gone, and my leg was throbbing. And I was like, I just broke my leg. <laughs> oh man! So then they're like, "All right, we're gonna have to take you over, get X-rays and everything." And now that was freshman year. Sat out and watched. It was kind of a bummer because I was in. The, I I worked worked it to the point where I was basically like one of the freshmen of being able to travel with the varsity team. But mm-hmm. everything happens happens for a reason. Sophomore year. Came back, was in was in the uh, in the rotation on goal line packages and short yardage. Got to travel to every game, uh, so that was big for technically my freshman year being able to travel. Yes, we all know varsity sports. You can only take so many people. Mm-hmm. Travel traveling and uh, it's hard to play at the next level in general. No matter your size, skill level, you got to be able to know the game of. Of all parts. Exactly. How long uh, – so going back to going back to the leg, how long were you, uh, were you out for? Were you, how long were you on crutches or uh, – So I was out from August, and I wasn't able to start lifting again until January. So oh. about six months. Jeez. Yeah. That had to be just awful, huh? Yeah, nah, it was awful, but like, it 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 was like it, it was motivation for me because it was it was the first time I actually had to it was my first real injury and first time I had to sit out of a sport, mm-hmm. and so it it really hit to me like, wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna really miss this like, this is something I can't take for granted, no matter how tired I ever get like, it's something I just have to keep working for. And I feel like a lot of people like when you get that first major injury, and like you have to sit out and watch it just drives you of when you're able to do it again and cherish every moment and every opportunity you get mm-hmm. and um yeah that speaks to your character because you know and in, in, you know your positive mindset because if you like broke your leg like, uh, like just started feeling sorry for yourself like all right this is not how i wanted to start you know what's the point now then like you wouldn't have had the experiences that you had, but instead you were just like, all right, you know, shit happens. Uh, let's, you know, 
recover the right way, do what I'm supposed to, so I can get back on that field. And like you said, and even just cherish it even more because you never know when, you know, something like that could happen. Oh, yeah, for sure. So let's uh, last the last two years, so the junior and senior year, um, you know, how are overall, how are uh, those two years? Uh, so junior year, uh, I so most of, that was my second year, third year working at here at the summer camp. So I honestly wasn't able to to like put in a lot of like the physical time of working out, working out what weights. I did like a lot of like footwork drills and different things like that. But like we said before, like football is made up about what happens in the off season. <laughs> and my junior year, I overall have to say that like. Yes, I lost weight over the summer, but I didn't add on um, much more muscle. Yeah. It was just like, the muscle I already had, and I, I just got my overall footwork better and just, like, movement better. And so came to camp. There is uh, a couple kids in front of me that, like, to me personally, I was like, ah, there, there's no way these I, – I can let these guys play ahead of me. But up to about week five – they were in front of me, and then, like, after that, I made it back into the rotation of uh, actually playing more than just goal line and short yardage. Got to put – I was actually playing, playing in the games. Yeah. And, uh, and that year was was the biggest, biggest learning curve for me because, like, I always had the mindset of, like, yeah, I've worked hard for this. I've done this. That, like, I deserve – I deserve this. And I had a had a conversation with one of one of my uh, coaches, and he said to me, "Is like, you work hard. Yes, this guy works hard. Every team in the country works hard. Mm-hmm. Every team in the country has six a.m. workouts. But what did you do different than you did last year? What did you do different that the other guys didn't do that they did that you didn't do?" And I was like. Yeah, you're right. And then, he, then I was like, and then I, for a minute, I thought to myself, like, oh, uh, I brought up to him, like, coach, like, I've been through a lot, come this far, like, not everyone makes it. And then, like, he shared a story with me about his personal life. And he was just like, he told me, everyone, everybody has a story. It's about what you do with that story. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that really, that really sat with me because, like, you never know what someone goes through if they if they don't share with you and so and that and that's what drives most people like when you wake up in the morning it's about like what you want to do to change your life and what you want to do to better your future or the future of somebody else mm-hmm. and, and your backstory is what drives you to do that and it's like and when he, when he told me that I like I legit went back to my room and like thought about it like you're right like until he shared until he shared with me a story about himself, like in his office that day. You you change your perspective of oh I changed my whole perspective of who he was, who he was as a coach. And when you get to learn someone and learn their story, you you want this. That's what helps drive you of like, all right, I I, I want to help the next person. Yeah, no, that, yeah, that was. Um... Like, you know, hearing you talk about that, first off, like, working hard, like, you get to, like, high schoolers work hard. You, you get to the collegiate level. You know, you don't, you don't get there by accident. You get there because 
of you know hard work and that is every single person that's there some people work harder than others um you know and, so, and some don't but it's um you know a wide range of athletes who um work hard and you know your start and what, what i thought of at um at fredonia we had you know this guy come in talk to us he was a former player there he's um you know a bit of a motivational speaker it's not his title but it's just something he's really good at and yeah. Is, uh, you know, he always referred to it as your, your why. And like, you just explained it perfectly, you know, like why you get up in the morning to do what you do, like what drives you, what is your why? And, you know, once you find out what that is, once you decide what that is, then that's what takes you to, you know, the next level to, to reach your, you know, potential rather, rather than like, okay, like now there's 6 a.m. workout. Let's let's get through this and go through the motions rather than yeah. getting there, you know, 5.30, 5.35, um, you know, ready to put in the work to to move on. So that was that was well said. You know, people listening would definitely get a lot from that. Um, so aside from football, what um, were you studying PE? Um, you weren't studying from the start, right? Did you – change your major to PE or how, uh, how did that work? Yeah. Uh, so going, that was a big thing for me between that came down between Utica and Ithaca. So Ithaca already has a PE program, but Utica didn't, they weren't getting their PE program in it until my sophomore year spring semester. Okay. So like we said, of taking, taking the chance of, taking a gamble of things. I'm a person that enjoys talking. So I started I started off as a communications major. I was like, all right, like I enjoy communicating with people. Like if I ever did anything, I think I would enjoy like news broadcasting. So I wanted to see what, what that would what, what that how that could help me and like how that could further further my talents and just like learning in general until I knew that I wanted to do, because overall I knew I wanted to do PE, but they didn't have it. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to start off with, with something else. And so uh, I took something that interests me that I also wanted to learn more about. Because mm-hmm. communication communication is more than just talking to, talking to someone. It's about being able to read someone, understand what someone is saying, and like break it down and and like talk to someone and, and make people feel welcomed. And like, if, if you ever realize like some of the most successful coaches and successful people are people that know how to communicate with others mm-hmm. because, because communication, communication is overall the key to happy life in general. If you, uh, one of my, one of my roommates always said is closed mouths don't get fed. And a, and a lot of people don't know how to communicate, so they'll never say anything. So they can never, they can probably one never get help or never ask for help. They're stuck and like they'll just try to do too much themselves and and overwhelm themselves. So mm-hmm. when you figure out how to do that or like a different way to do that that'll help you, I feel like that that's what makes it. That's what really helps communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. You know, you can apply that to. I like applying it to you know, coach the coach aspect as well as the player aspect. Um, you know, something's bothering you, speak up. You know, if you're, you know, not getting playing time, ask why. Ask what you can do to improve. Like I, you never have a coach 
that doesn't want players to play. You're never going to get recruited to, you know, just, all right, well, you're here for four years to not do anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's all about the communication, talking, talking with teammates. Um, Cause in the end, you know, it, it helps solve the problems or, you know, resolve any issues going yeah. on. Um, and you, man, just like talking to you, I know like you, you are a great communicator. It's, you, you can, I could talk to you for hours and it's just, you know, you learn so much. Um, so that is cool that they, you, you were one of the first members of the, you know, the new PE program. Um, you have your master's in phys ed, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, actually funny. We started off the program with, with eight, eight overall people and, uh, me and another kid were the first to graduate with our master's NPE. The other six chose to do corporate wellness, so like be personal trainers. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm actually the very first person in our program to actually go through what fully with PE. The other, the other guy that graduated with his master's in PE, uh, he took a director of uh, recreation job working with the blind and visually impaired. Oh wow! Yeah, so that that that's that's really sweet, but it's also, I with with all that what they all do is is really is really nice and unique. But it's just really cool to see to be able to be like, yeah, I'm the very first PE teacher in our program to be able to help other people is learning it, learning something and doing it are two totally different things. Absolutely, congrats! That that is very cool. Yeah, yeah, and it's. PE is so different now compared to, you know, back in, back in the old days, as everyone says, you know, yeah. we, we learned so much about, you know, bad teeth and teaching methods that every PE teacher would do back in the day. You know, yeah. <laughs> like we, I, we have, we, there could be a course on what not to do that teachers did like so many years ago. Um, and so now you, we were talking, you just finished your first year as full-time PE teacher at Van Dyne, right? Yeah. And you, you loved it. Um, you know, let's talk about your first year as a teacher. Yeah. So first year as a PE teacher, I definitely, definitely went in with a very open mind and open to learn because I've, I've never worked with kids elementary level kids even at my summer camp i worked with the older teenage older teenage boys uh when i coach when i coach sports like coach football i coached two years of uh, football at utica coaching 18 to 21 year olds mm -hmm. so it was my first time of besides student teaching for 10 weeks in in december a year before that i was actually working in elementary school so i definitely went in like kind of nervous but i had a great co-teacher uh mark leclerc who's been teaching for 26 years oh wow so i got to work with someone that, that that's been in the field and and doing it really long and it was but it was a nice learning curve because it was both our first year at van dyne Okay. He used to work at another elementary school for eight years, and he just wanted to change. So we both started off at, at uh, Van Dyne. So it was like we were able to learn learn together, but I was also able to learn from him because he's been doing elementary his whole life. So, yeah. 
Oh, go ahead, sir. Oh, yeah. So, no, nah, it was just a, a really fun learning curve and different things to pick up on of how you legit you talk very different from to a fourth grader than you do a second grader. Mm-hmm. And the second grader to you, first grader, first grader to kindergarten, and fourth to fifth. And it's like each class, you know, you know, it's simple things that you don't think about it. It's just like, oh, they should be able to stand on a line. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, everybody, we're gonna skip across. That kid just ran. <laughs> I'm not sure if that kid's bunny hopping or just sliding <laughs> his feet. It's like, it's like, how's it? But I, I love it because it's like for elementary, you have to be so specific with the kids and it helps you to, you, you also learn yourself of like, just going back to communication of like, you realize just communicating to three different grade levels, how, how this saying a simple word or setting out, simple equipment ahead of time or after how it it can change your whole class mm-hmm. like like you do bowling and you set up the pins and you tell kids to sit five feet behind on the wall away from the pins of how distracting bowling pins can be rather than <laughs> explain it to them and have them set it up themselves yeah yeah <laughs> it's like ooh, so all those things are were like learning curves to me it's like we said like i said before it's different learning it and teaching it to other 20-year-olds 20, 20 in a class, and you're like, all right, this is foolish. And then really doing it is like, ooh, <laughs> hey, we're going we're, we're, to – this is real. You're in charge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, and, like, they, you know, they, for – they have these teacher, you know, preparation classes, you know, and I'm sure for your undergr- undergrad and for, like, graduate work they have – you know, classes, whether it's like, you know, universal movement, um, like, you know, technology and PE, like we were talking, they have all these great classes that help prepare you. But I feel just getting in the gym, getting in, you know, the classes, you you learn more uh, there, which is why, um, you know, I'm lucky for Cortland, they have that right away. Like one of the, you know, they have these field experiences where you go in you know, once or twice a week, but they, they get you in the classroom right away rather than um, waiting. Um, I'm going to get off track just for a second here. I'll get back. Yeah. Van Dyne, I have one memory, not one, but I have like a bad memory. I, you know, and they have that baseball field out there, right? Yes. That's yeah. where, um, you know, we would play. And my last time playing on that field, I was catching tie game, like bottom of the seventh. I let a pass ball go by. Syracuse scores, winning run, game over. I'm walking, taking the walk of shame back to the dugout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, so I want to go back to your uh, student teaching. Um, where did you student teach? Was it around the Syracuse area or was it around? Uh, so I actually student taught in Utica. I student taught at Whitesboro. Oh, okay. Yeah. I student taught at Hearts, Hearts Hill Elementary, Deerfield Elementary, and then also Whitesboro High School. Okay, so oh, you had three different placements then. Yeah, so I it was kind of cool. My uh, my el- my second elementary placement, I was well, my elementary placement in general was with a travel, the travel PE teacher. So I actually got to see two elementary schools in like two different parts of the town. 
and it, I think it, I really enjoyed it because I got I got to see the the dynamics of like multiple different PE teachers, but also like multiple different like economic settings. Yeah, and like it it, it, it was never eye opening to me, and like never realized it until like I actually got to see it. So Monday I would see I'll be with one group of kids, Tuesday I'd be with the, the next, and it was like it was crazy because like. We do the same games. We did a couple of like the same units, and but like the way the kids take took it in at one school, and like you can explain it to kids at one school compared to the other school. It really, it, it like we were saying before, it forces you to like change the way you teach and change the way like you talk to the kids and help the kids understand. Because at the end of the day, as a teacher, you're we're you're there for the kids to make sure that the kids understand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going back to the teacher prep programs, you know, you, you could have, um, and, and for like student teaching, like you create a lesson that you're really confident in, you're like confident in, you're like, all right, this is going to be great. You know, I'm excited to get to do this. But then, you know, you do the lesson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it doesn't go well at all. And you're like, what happened? And it's the other way around too. You can have another lesson that you're planning. And you're like, oh, I'm trying something new. Not sure how it's going to work. And then you're just sitting there in awe because it, it's going great. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, just getting that firsthand experience, being in there, seeing what works and what doesn't, and um, your specific directions to the elementary students. Um, you know, it's a like you said, it's a learning experience that you've benefited from. I have yeah. a. One question regarding like discipline. So, you know, we we're we're far away from you know kids, you know, sitting out the entire time because, you know, they they broke a rule or something, and you know we, it's like all right, you're you're done. I don't want to talk to you. Like what um what discipline strategies do you use that you have found effective in classes? Uh, so for in our gym we have a uh, we have a hierarchy like a classroom hierarchy. Mm-hmm. So we have five different steps. The first step is, uh, oh, you're getting me on the spot. I haven't seen it in the gym. Yeah, my, I put that. I put right, you right on the spot there. My fault. <laughs> so there it is. No, that, that's we like the pressure. The first <laughs> check is you get a warning. Mm-hmm. So we'll speak. We'll speak to you, and we'll say like, "Hey, that that wasn't right." Like, check what you're doing, and then the second warning, we uh. We give you a chance to go. We have we call it a cool down corner. So we actually, because it's cool down corner, because it's where we have our two fans. You stand over there. When you, when you're cool and you feel like you're ready to join us again, then you come back and join us. I like that the cool you down corner. You, you can't stay in a cool down corner more than two minutes. Mm-hmm. So you get maximum two minutes. We have a timer over there on a desk. That you that resets every time you click it. You sit there and it's like a silent buzzer, and you just collect your thoughts and like cool down yourself. After the cool down corner, uh, now you're gonna get a one-on-one conversation. If you're still doing, if you're still misbehaving, after a one-on-one conversation, uh, depending on what you did, we'll go from there. And then after that is a call home to your parents. And if the call home doesn't work, then we we got to schedule a parent-teacher conference. Okay. So, 
So that's basically our, our classroom monitor. It starts off with a warning, then we, we give you the chance to figure it out, like that you need to stop doing that in the cool down corner. Now we're gonna have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Then we're gonna get and have a phone call home. And then if those steps don't work, then now we gotta involve like the principal and everything. Mm -hmm. but we 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 wanna we our goal is to like be able to handle all the problems and issues in the gym. We we don't wanna our biggest thing was we don't wanna hand it off to someone else. Yeah, exactly. It's our issue and only way we're gonna help build a relationship with this kid is for them to understand that like we act we care about you but we're but we have to give you consequences that you just can't take advantage of us so we we did we realized that like the cool down corner helped us actually learn more of our students mm -hmm. it was like we're working in the in the inner city we have students that comes from all different backgrounds and uh a lot of a lot of things are that trigger them are things that aren't even happening in school and there's a slight right. thing that happens in school that triggers them and that's why that's our big thing for the cool down corner of all right collect yourself and and just just come back to reality and if you need more time or you need to do something else and we have kids that we have special passes for that they take the pass they take a lap around the school if they need to get out of our out of the gym atmosphere because we all know the atmosphere in the gym is very high energy so mm -hmm. give them a chance to escape that and but if you if you choose to take that route you still you also get two minutes so right two minutes either in the cool down corner or two minutes to take the pass and not roam the halls but be in the hallway and the principals know, the school security sentry officers know that if they have this pass, that that's what they're doing. Uh, I'm gonna write. I'm gonna write cool down corner down. I'm gonna I'm gonna save that one. I like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that it 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 works a lot because uh, you realize if a kid always gets kicked out of your class, you're gonna get the kids that like want to get kicked out of the class, so they'll do anything to leave. No, no, no. We're not going to let you leave. You're going to go over to this corner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're going to realize we're not going to let you leave. You're going to figure this problem out with us. <laughs> and I'm sure with the elementary students too, you guys, you know, your, your focus is explaining to them, you know, why what they did was wrong because, you know, there's sometimes like, if you just send a kid out, they're kind of like, you know, what did I do? Maybe they, they don't understand that what they did was incorrect so like with that that hierarchy strategy it's also like when when you have that quick discussion with them like okay like you broke this rule you know we don't we don't do that here you know whatever the case may be maybe they didn't understand it maybe it won't happen again but then it could be those instances where they know but you know something else is going on so they're doing something for attention and they're acting up because of something else not because of what's happening in in the gym yeah uh, so I, another question I had for you is, so this is more another question, me putting you on the spot here. Yeah. Um, so for me, sometimes, you know, at, cause I'm that so summer camp director, like we were talking, yeah. I would have, I'd have an activity and I would have some kids sit out like that because they don't want to do the activity. I'll explain it. We'll get everyone going. And then, you know, you have 
campers, students in your scenario who would be like, I don't want to play, I'm sitting out. How do you prevent, how do you prevent that? How do you get everyone um, involved and like willing to participate in your activity? Uh, so one, one thing that uh, I've learned over the time is tried that I've done is try to get them to, to be involved in the game of some sort, right? So actually, it's funny you say this because we had this we had this for a student this year. So we had this one girl that did not want to participate at all. Fifth mm-hmm. grader, thought she was a senior in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with it. So we we became to the point where it was like, all right, if you're not going to participate, you can't sit here. And if you're going to sit here, you're going to be the scorekeeper, right? So now she's she's our scorekeeper. She sees the things that are going on. All right, you don't want to do this? All right, so now you are going to set the game up and take the game down. I don't want to do that. Well, then now we explain to her, like, all right, I'm not forcing you to play right now, right? Today I'm not forcing you, but you have to help me help you. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to play, you have to at least be part of this team or part of the game, and you have to keep score for us. And then after a while of of you giving them the of you giving them an incentive or something that like they're not fully participating, but they're also not doing something that you can't supervise them mm-hmm. is 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 important because now you give them something, and when you go back to talk to them, like when you really need them to do something, it's like. When have I ever steered you wrong? Right. You didn't want to play. I, I allowed you to keep score. You're part of the game. You're not doing nothing. But now I I need you to do this. I've given you what you wanted. Now you gotta give me something. And and I always I find that to work work a lot because it's like you're working with you're working with the you're working with the students and and, and you're also building a relationship at the same time because they see that like. All right, he he's not gonna force me to do this. He's gonna work with me, and, but I'm gonna do something. But then mm-hmm. when you get to the point where you when the, you've built the relationship, where like, all right, like I don't have to do this. I'll just be able to do this. Is then that's at that point that's when you can really tell them like, all right, yeah, you can't sit out today. And 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 after a while, it, it never became a, a issue anymore, and she she wanted to play. Okay. Because the the biggest thing that I've realized for a lot of kids is they don't want to play because one they like feel like insecure or they don't really know what's going on, and yeah. then when they see what's going on from like participating outside of the initial game, then it it brings in their interest of it because okay. most of the time like most of the people don't want to play or kids don't want to play because they're not interested in it. Mm-hmm. But when you get them to do this, the do the small things the small things lead into the, the bigger things so we always play music so we'd have one girl that like we have a music playlist we're like all right we're gonna tell you when to play music you can choose a song when we tell you to stop you have to stop it yeah and, and i think that just being able to work with the students and give them a little and then they'll realize that in order to keep getting these privileges that they have to do they have to work they have to participate that's uh yeah that's very helpful because sometimes i find myself and this is something that i 
you know, told myself I need to work on and my goal is to, to work on this. But, you know, I would, I would spend time preparing activities for this camp. And then if I had most, actually like any age group, because we're five to 12, if I have any, you know, camp or sit out, sometimes I'd take it like personal. I'm like, well, you don't like my activity that I worked hard for. Like I, you know, and sometimes I'd get not, not towards them, but like a little frustrated at myself. And that's one thing I'm trying to, you know, work on. I, I really want everyone to participate, not because just for me, but I really want everyone to be engaged and have fun rather than come to a day camp all day and just have free time and sit and, and do nothing. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Now I, I understand that a hundred percent because I used to, I used to have the, I, I had that a couple of times as well. I'm like, you plan it out and you, you feel great about it. Like, Oh, this is amazing. I see other kids have so much fun with it. Then yeah. you look and you're like, this isn't <laughs> anything about like what I thought pictured in my head. Yeah. And it's like, you just have to get like certain kids to just, just like buy into like what you're doing or like, what what you're saying and that and that goes along with like coaching it's all it's all about getting the people that that you help run like that you you work with to buy into you that way they can help the kids buy in Mm -hmm. I I was just reading this book uh above the line have you ever read it no I haven't so it's a book uh, above the line by Urban Meyer uh he was the Ohio State coach yeah. Also coach at Florida. So he, he always talks about uh how he's the head coach and his assistant coach, he calls them village leaders because each each coach has their own position group. And he and he says how you have to you have to get the people right below you to buy in in order for the rest of your program to go smooth. Mm-hmm. And, and he he shared some he shared a couple of stories of like he he chose a couple people to, to coach for him because of like who they were. Right. He didn't really choose them because they bought into what he was saying. He said that year they had a difficult time because yes, they were great coaches, but they didn't buy into what he said. And then he he used Bill Bel he used Bill Belichick for for example. And if any and anyone, if you're not a Patriots fan. Never been. No one. No one wants to see Tom Brady and 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 Bill go to another Super Bowl. Like, let let the Bills go one time. (laughs) (laughs) But the and and you look at you look at their roster, and they have no receivers over six three. Their first draft pick this year was a Division two safety. Meanwhile, you guys have you got guys still on the board from LSU, Alabama. Florida, Florida State, the big uh, SEC they, schools. Yeah, they, they're, they he, he selects people that are gonna buy in to what he, what he, what he's giving them, and that, and that's why he's so successful. Mm-hmm. Like you, you saw the draft, the man had his cat at his living room table in denim blue jeans and a <laughs> blue quarter zip. Not even a Patriot sign anywhere. No. Nope. Just a little laminated one straight to the back of his laptop. Yeah. And it's like he didn't even know how to run. <laughs> <laughs> but the man that had six Super Bowl runs. Yeah. And, yeah, that, that was just a great transition into coaching right there. And, like, like you said, like, you hear all the time with, like, job interviews and people are like, hey, like, 
I can teach you how to do, I, I, I can, I can teach you, you know, PE teaching strategies. I can help you there, but I'm going to hire, you know, a good, a good overall well-rounded person that people enjoy being around people who are willing to learn. Cause if you have a ton of knowledge in PE or any subject area and you come in refusing to learn more, no one's going to want you around. Right. You, you gotta, you know, be willing to learn, be willing to, you know, make sacrifices and, you know, try, uh, new things. And that was, a, that was a great, I'm going to have to check out that book, but you know, I like that comparison. Like, you know, there the people above you or sorry, people below you are just as important to make that, um, you know, that, that bus go, I guess. Have you heard of the, the book, the energy bus? No. So it, it's a similar concept. Um, but we had to, uh, you know, read it when I was in college and the same thing, you know, everyone's got to be on board, you know, having that you know high energy having that willingness to um succeed because you know you have one person on that bus with negative energy that's gonna someone sees that and it, it's gonna rub off on them a little bit you know what i mean whereas everyone's there having that positive mindset and you're just gonna go um so yeah a couple more things before i let you go this has been unbelievable but um how uh you one year coaching at Corcoran, right under under your belt. Yeah, so this is my this is my overall first year coaching at Corcoran. Uh, so with becoming a, like my overall goal is to become a head football coach. So once I got the job, my very next thing was like, all right, we're gonna coach. And with being out with working at the summer camp just getting the job over the summer, not much internet. It was like, it was like a scramble of like, all right, I got to find a coaching job now. Seeing that like I'm not at college anymore. It's my first time not in Utica for the fall, fall football season in six and a half years. So knowing with Van Dyne being a feeder school to Corcoran, uh, like the elementary school, the middle school, and it leads to Corcoran. And I also went to Corcoran. I was like, oh, this is a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so I reached out to uh, the athletic director and the head football coach. I was like, hey, uh, I'm a new PE teacher. This and I, and at first they were like, oh, well, with me being a new teacher that like, they, they didn't really want me to coach the very first year. Just because like, your first year of teaching can be difficult. Mm-hmm. And I was just very persistent of like asking them like, hey, like this is what I'm very dedicated to. Like this is what I really want to do. This is part of why I wanted to be a PE teacher is like be able to connect with, with the youth other than just in the classroom. And uh, they shut it down a couple of times, yeah. but you just got to be persistent. And then the day before, the day before, uh, camp was supposed to start. I emailed the flight director and I said, uh, will I get in trouble if I volunteer for the team? And she's like, she's like, uh, technically no. I was like, all right, I'll volunteer this whole season. Mm-hmm. I said, like, you don't have to pay me a dime. If I have free time when I get out, I'll just go volunteer. And I, I was a volunteer assistant coach the 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 whole year. Didn't miss a practice, didn't miss a game, just because it's like it's something that, it's something that I want to do. And right. when you do something that like you love, 
it it is it isn't about the money at that point. It's about just like like we said earlier. It's about your why. Mm-hmm. Why why you do it is more important than any amount of money you'll ever earn. And I I I just had it. It was just the one of the most rewarding seasons. Like, uh, we our team was filled with sophomores. We weren't expected to do that well, and then we ended up doing a lot better than anyone really thought, honestly. And uh, af- after a point in the season with me being a newer coach and a younger coach, it was uh, it was funny because, like, normally most team meetings, the head coach talks and ends the meeting, closes it out, and uh, came to a point in the season and the players are like, Coach, I know, like, no disrespect, Coach Fish, but we only win when Whitehurst talks to us. <laughs> And so, like, like to me, I was like, uh, he looked at me. I was like, Coach, I, I didn't set them up. Uh, yeah, I didn't tell them that. No, <laughs> I don't know where it's coming from. Like, I don't know. Like, I know a lot of coaches aren't like big rah rah guys, like game day, but it's the day before. And like with some kids, like they just need that extra pick me up. So a couple yeah. of the coaches, a couple of the coaches would call me Reverend, Reverend <laughs> Whitehurst. Other coaches would be like, All right. Here comes uh, Eric Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> like the kid, the kids just love that. Like I don't know. I always feel like what a lot of most of the speeches I give is just like things that they can relate to. Right. When you get when you give a kid something that they can relate to, I don't. It don't matter how many words you say to them. If the words don't connect to them, then you just wasted a speech. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You got to got to find what um, you know, what they listen to and how they can apply it in their own situations, right? Oh yeah. But man, yeah, this has been this has been great. This is a lot of fun. Definitely learned a lot, you know, from a PE side of things as well as coaching. And it was cool to hear about you know your college football experience and uh, you know everything along the way. Um, anything that we didn't get to that you know you want to add? Any anything you want to say? Uh. For the most part, I'd just say, like, uh, for everyone out there listening and different things that you do is just figure out your why in life. Figure out your why and, like, why you do things, why you want to play sports at the next level, and why you believe you should be the starter. Other than, like, you having more talent or different things than that, like, you got to go out and prove every day. Like, if you're not playing, you sitting in the back of the line, Complaining isn't going to make the coaches coaches see you. Go out there and score on the starting defense. Go out there, score on the starting offense. Make you got to make yourself make yourself known and make yourself visible to to the human eye, and and that's what's going to help take take you to the next level. That's the name of the podcast. Next next level next level podcast. So you got to do things that like people on your level aren't doing. You're gonna do the same thing that everyone else is doing, then you're not taking yourself to the next level. That goes for anything in life: being a teacher, an athlete, a coach, a parent, a brother. You, you got to do the the things that other people don't want to do to help yourself stand out. Yeah, man, exactly. That was that was awesome. Well said. Um, you know, it was it was a pleasure. Uh, those of you listening, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, excited to you know, send this one out. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, you tune in, uh, tune in next time and we'll talk to you soon.
All right. All right.